everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I will be covering a listener requested episode. Podcast listener Nicole, for her birthday this year, has requested that I cover one of her favorite movies, Phantom of the Opera from 2004. Yes, I am going to sing happy birthday to podcast listener Nicole. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nicole. Happy birthday to you. Nicole, I hope you have a happy birthday next month in May. And that all your wishes come true. Here's the movie review you requested of 2004's The Phantom of the Opera. And I'm going to be up front. I've heard of Phantom of the Opera. I don't really know much about it. So I'm going to be going into this movie not really knowing much other than what IMDb's synopsis gives me. A young soprano becomes the obsession of a disfigured and murderous musical genius who lives beneath the Paris opera house it looks like it's got a star-studded cast the rating on imdb is 7.2 out of 10 it's got gerard butler as the phantom emmy rossum as christine who everyone knows this actress from shameless patrick wilson as raul miranda richardson as madame g-i-r-y giri giri i don't know mini driver as carlotta Forgive me if I mispronounce these names. Uh, seeing if there's anyone else I recognize. I really don't. Okay. So, this movie was directed by Joel Schumacher. He directed Lost Boys, which I've seen. Oh my gosh, Joel Schumacher died almost a year ago. Oh my gosh. Uh, Batman... And Robin, he also directed Phone Booth. So, a, a bunch of different things. Oh, Batman Forever was the other one that he directed. Okay, uh, A Time to Kill. Oh, he directed The Client? Oh, that is a good movie. I've never seen Dying Young with Julia Roberts, but... Oh, he also directed Julia Roberts in the movie Flatliners. I haven't seen that one either. St. Elmo's Fire, I thought was an okay movie. It's got a lot of the 80s brat pack in it, minus Molly Ringwald. Uh, writer Gaston LaRue? L-E-R-O-U-X. This movie is about 2 hours and 23 minutes, so we'll see if, if it, it kind of makes me think of Les Mis. I saw that in the theater, and I liked some of the songs in that, so we'll see. I don't really watch a lot of musicals. The only one, like I said, um, Les Mis, I saw that without, you know, I've never seen the play or I've never read the book. The Greatest Showman, absolutely loved that one too, so. But then again, I mean, like I said, normally musicals aren't hugely my cup of tea, but I mean, you never know. I might be surprised in this. The Phantom, okay, this, so this is the trivia. The Phantom speaks only 14 of his lines and sings the rest. Okay. 
The doll in the Phantom's lair that is supposed to resemble Emmy Rossum is not actually a wax mold, it is Emmy Rossum. The production produced a mask of her face to use on the mannequin, but when they put it in the f put in the fake eyes, it didn't look like her. She suggested to stand in as a mannequin instead. This was done by her being made up like a doll with waxy makeup on and her standing very, very still. The chandelier weighed 2.2 tons, cost 1.3 million, and was provided by Swarovski. <laughs> It had a stunt double for riskier scenes. There was also a third chandelier made that was equipped with electricity and lighting for the opening scene. In playing Christine's father in this movie, Roman Karimilu becomes the only actor to have played all three of Christine's loves, her father in the movie version, and both Raoul and the Phantom on stage. The sweeping camera angles during All I Ask of You made it necessary to shoot multiple takes of the kiss between Emmy Rossum and Patrick Wilson. Emmy Rossum had to ice her lips between takes to prevent them from swelling. Oh, wow. According to trivia, Patrick Wilson did his own stunts. Oh, wow. At the time of shooting, Emmy was 17, Patrick Wilson, who plays Raul, was 30, and Gerard Butler, the Phantom, was 34. Wow. That is much younger than her male counterparts. I'm aware of the song All I Ask of You because I've heard it covered by Josh Groban. Which, Josh Groban, one of my all-time favorite singers. Absolutely love him. Alright, I might, I'll sit, actually, you know what, I want to see, like, how much the movie, whoops, wrong thing, I had Goodreads, hold on. Um, let me see, okay, how much the movie made. Budget was $70 million. Opening weekend, $4 million. Grossed $51 million. And then worldwide gross is $154 million. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Alright. So, you know, without further ado, let's jump into The Phantom of the Opera. So, yes, Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera. Okay. When the menu came up, that's when I saw Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay. The, uh, his name up there, and also I I heard some of the film film score, and it's just that is gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous film score. It's very suspenseful. One thing I want to say about this opening sequence here: we have a dark room, we have a can a single candle close up, and we have the candle, the light of it, illuminating the script font of the Phantom of the Opera. I I love that. I normally don't really like think too much on that stuff as far as when it comes to openings and, you know, you know, font of the movie title and everything, but I like this effect. I think so. Oh, I like how there is um a rose and the the vine of the rose is wrapped around the O of the word opera. For some reason, I just got kind of Beauty and the Beast vibes. This actually does kind of make me... It does give me Beauty and the Beast, Beast vibes just a little bit. I love this sepia tone photograph. It says Paris 1919. It just shows like a city square. 
Oh, this is cool. I love these effects where, you know, where you see this old-timey picture and then the camera zooms in and then people start moving and the pictures are moving and it just slowly comes to life. I think that it's so cool. We see a building with columns and there's a banner stretched over across the columns that says public auction today. So I wonder if this is going to be one of those types of movies where... The situation's already happened, and it's more of a retelling of what happened, and then it kind of, you know, everything that leads up to this moment. I'm kind of curious if that's how this movie is going to be told. Somebody who was there when it happened is telling the story. Like, I don't know whether there's going to be a narrator coming in. I don't know. Because, I mean, as far as the Phantom of the Opera, I have heard of it. Very vague details, just about... The Phantom, there's a fire, his face, he wears a mask on half of his face that was destroyed by, um, I'm guessing, a fire, right? He kind of lives in the shadows underneath, like, yeah, underneath the opera house, right? Because he's a really great organist, like a pianist, right? Something like that. So you're probably all laughing. <laughs> like, like I said, I'm going into this having not seen it so those these are just my guesses are gonna come up like I bet this will happen and we'll see what happens oh it seems like it's gone from sepia brownish white to black and white and a vehicle pulls up and it looks like somebody is in a wheelchair I'm seeing a blanket that looks like it's maybe covering someone's lap okay actually I jumped <laughs> got a little far ahead of myself no the blanket was in that wheelchair, and somebody goes to sit down in it. Okay. Oh, so that's what that ramp is for. Okay, I'm just kind of wondering, like, oh, those kids are playing on that ramp that goes up to that big building with the columns. I'm like, what is that ramp there for? Like, oh. Oh, and there's a nurse pushing this man who's wearing a top hat into and you don't see this man's face so is, is this the phantom guy is this um the phantom played by gerard butler i don't know eventually i'm sure we'll go from black and white to like color at some point in this movie look at this place looks like it's condemned it's oh because of the fire right because there are the windows that are all like boarded up so when we go into the building, we hear an auctioneer, you know, doing actual, you know, getting auctionees to bid and stuff like that. Apparently a poster from this house's production of Hannibal by Chalamon. So when they say poster, are they like referring to like what we think of as like long movie posters? I remember... <laughs> Um, in the movie theater back when they were regularly open and stuff, at the end of a, a movie showing at the theater I went to, you could bid on one of the posters. If um, Legend of the Guardians, uh, Guardians of Gahul, love that movie, love the book series. And <laughs> I got this, and I didn't think like the sheer size of this banner I think I eventually donated it because it's in my basement. I'm like, I don't know where to put this. It's so long. 
I think it was one of those banners that like hung up in the when you walk into a movie theater and you see like these banners for like movies and stuff. I'm like, there was no way that that was hanging up on a wall anywhere in my in my house at the time. Okay, we do get to see this man's face. He looks relatively old. Is this Raul? Because it doesn't look like the Phantom. Unless, like I said, is this happening before? Because, and this guy looks like a really old Tom Skerritt. <laughs> but he's looking at this lady, and it's like, do they know each other? Is this Christine? And this is Raul? I don't know. I don't know. Oh my goodness, a paper mache like shaped organ thing that's up for bed and it's got like a monkey, you know the kind with the monkey with the symbols, uh, you know that one. <laughs> I, I'd pay money for that, not a lot, but it's cute. The monkey apparently is in Persian robes playing the symbols. I'd be like, uh, can I see a demonstration? I want to make sure it actually works before I buy it, you know. I only have so much money to spend and don't want to spend it on something that is not going to work. Or it'll work here, but it'll not work when I bring it home. Yeah. Apparently this item <laughs> was discovered in the vaults of the theater and it's still in working order. Okay, well, can we see it? Can we see it work? Oh, it's playing. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, are these two, this man in, in the wheelchair and the lady, are they going to get into like a bidding war here? Over this symbol monkey paper mache organ figure thing. They are full on getting into a bidding war over this. Who do they know each other? Or are they just casual strangers that are interested in the same thing? They're someone's gonna win and someone's gonna be immediately regret like, gosh, I wish I hadn't paid so much for it. It's not as great as I thought it was gonna be. Because they probably are only interested in it because of the tune that it plays, I bet. Is there a reason this guy can't bid for himself? Like, his nurse or whoever's standing next to that wheelchair is bidding for him? It's like, okay, so he either does not have the ability to speak, or he had someone do his bidding for him. Man got it! The man in the wheelchair got that symbol playing monkey paper mache organ thing of music. Musical box. Musical whatever. It's cute. When are we going to get to color? I'm kind of... Oh, I I'm, I don't have a problem with black and white movies. But what is the significance of... I think it's got to be coming up. It's got to be... I think... I think... This guy's going to get this thing home. He's just going to be, like, resting by the fire. He's going to be playing the thing. And then all of a sudden, boom, we go into flashback mode. I honestly think this is set... In the future, and then this is just going to be a retelling, is what I'm thinking. Okay, so, clearly this is got to be the guy in the wheelchair. has got to be somehow tied to this whole event. Like, I wonder if Christine had that music box and played it one time, and he's just really like, this is what this man has to remember her by. And, of course, now the next item worth for bid is the chandelier, which is in pieces. Apparently you can only bid, you know, you can bid for all, you know, the pieces, or I don't know, I don't know. But we know this is in the future because the auctioneer says some of you may recall the strange affair of the Phantom of the Opera.
collector's piece indeed. Every detail exactly as she said. Will you still play when all the rest of us are dead? Lot 666 then. Oh, God. The chandelier in pieces. Some of you may recall the strange affair of the phantom. So apparently this chandelier, because, you know, this theater was destroyed in a fire, mostly, but that monkey music box thing and this giant chandelier that fell from the ceiling and it lights up. And then all of a sudden this, this, uh, spooky, suspenseful music starts playing. And you have the man in the wheelchair and the lady, and I'm like, who are these two people? They are very, they're, I mean, it's not like this auction is filled with a whole room full of people. There's like a handful of people there, and they're the only ones, the man in the wheelchair and the lady, that are all about, you know, they're the ones that seem most affected by, by this chandelier and by that that monkey music box thing. You know the lady, and I know Maggie Smith is not in this movie, but I'm getting the Dowager Countess from Downton Abbey vibe. I mean, just by how the lady is dressed. <laughs> Thank you, we're also still in black and white. Are we going to go to color soon? Because I would like that. I get it, I get it, it's perfect. Oh, thank you. It answered my uh, my question. We're going to color. All the cobs all the cobwebs are being blown off. All the theater seats, the lights along the um, the stage in front of the stage are all being lit up. This is amazing. It looks like they're gonna kick into their first song in a minute here because. They're introducing not just the organ, but, like, some rock tempo in there. And then we're, like, going all around the theater, and you just see these gilded, like, gold statues of people in different, you know, poses from, like, the the ancient Wayback era. And it just... The, the theater is gorgeous, and I'm not just saying because it's decked in, in red, because you know how much I love red, but well, I'm, I, I'm excited. Okay, now we're going to Paris 1870, so it's like 50 years earlier, maybe even longer. Okay, I did the math. It's been like 49 years. That is a long time. So, yeah, we go outside in the city square, and we see the outside of the theater, and it's gorgeous. It's Everything just is in color. Oh, my gosh. We got those big powdered wigs. The guys are wearing them. Not every guy, thank goodness. But, yeah, everyone's dressed in their finest. And Oh, there's a cafe. Cafe de la Opera. Oh, well, there you go. You can, you know, have dinner after the show or before the show if you want. Cool. I love how it's just located just practically right outside the steps 
of the the opera house. That's awesome. And of course, I mean, this is 1870, and you fast forward into 1919, horse and carriages are still the main mode of transportation. I corrected, I correct myself, no, I'm sorry, 1919, you have the automobile, yes, because that was just recently rolled out. So yes, horse and buggies are becoming a thing of the past, the automobile is coming in, so now we're going to go back to 1870, I keep having to rewind, like, wait a minute, is it? Like, no, that man in the wheelchair got out of a vehicle, well, he was assisted out of his vehicle, but yeah. So, yeah, we see the inner workings of what it takes to run a playhouse here as far as... Are they singing? Hold on. They're not. No, no one's singing right now. Okay, hold on. No, they're just... Uh, they're walking around a couple of guys. You see all the, uh, the masks, the costumes. You see the sets being, you know... The tarps or whatever they use for the sets and stuff, those got to be washed and taken care of. And you got the performers, they're getting, you know, into costume and getting ready and all this. A lot of work, a lot of work is done to put on a play. It's the thing is when you, I haven't seen a play in like, since I was like 19, like a play on stage. And you just, unless you really watch like a behind the scenes thing of how things are done... You really don't know how much work goes into putting on a play. It's not just about the cast of characters. It's not about the people playing the roles. It's the set design. It's the lighting cues. It's the direct. It's it's all of that. Just like when we go and see a movie, we don't know. Sure, you can watch a behind the scenes video of a couple minutes of footage being directed and acted and all that stuff but you don't know unless you're there watching it come to life and people making it happen yeah we got the conductor he's handing out music he's got his i don't know it's not called a baton is it i'm sure there's another word for it it might be a baton what do you think what else she's sleeping we <laughs> got some uh, actors who and actresses that are trying to wrestle away a bottle of booze from somebody. It's like, no, 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 you don't need that right now. You're fine. You know, you've had how many performances? You're going to rock this. You don't need to be intoxicated for the role. You almost ruined our last show by being, like, dead on your feet drunk. Don't do this to us again. Oh, we got to have that peephole pervert <laughs> looking at the ladies' dressing room. Oh, they're guzzling back some stuff, too. It's like, yeah, they need that nip of courage. We can't really blame that other guy. They literally go through every bit of working. They're way down in the depths of the theater where these big old cranks and there's a horse down there that's moving stuff. It's, it's, wow. I'm excited to get to the rest of the movie, so. I think we get our first glimpse of Christine here. She's a uh, performer. She's got the ballet slippers like this other girl. So then, if that's the case, then Raul must be the guy that's outside on the horse carriage with the long hair. Oh, yeah, that is a young Patrick Wilson. He is cute. 
I especially love the sideburns. Okay, so we do hear a bit of the opera music coming from the opera house as he rides past on his horse and carriage. Was this supposed to be uh, Minnie Driver on stage? So, I gotta say right now, uh, not a fan if this is Minnie Driver, the singing. <laughs> Even the ladies that are like wiping down the seats in the audience are just like, there's a couple ladies out there that are wiping down the seats like, ugh. <laughs> One person's like, I wanna pluck my ears. <laughs> I don't blame it. Sure ain't good. <laughs> So yeah, it looks like rehearsals just are not going well. We got Minnie Driver, definitely a drama queen, because she is not like, you make my dress train too long, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no. We got someone from outside, probably one of the theater officials that's coming in. They're working on a new production of something Hannibal, and this Official, what is he going to say? Like, sorry, we cut the budget. Or, oh, you better have a, a number of guests seeing this play. Otherwise, we're going to shut the playhouse down or something. He's interrupting the, the singing and everything else. Because the conductor's like, I'm in the middle of rehearsal. What's going on here? We, we got stuff to do. We go on tonight or tomorrow. And we are just so behind. So what's going on? I got, like, less than, I'll give you, like, five minutes. That's what this guy is yapping about? He's like, I you know, for a few weeks now, there have been rumors of my imminent retirement. That's what you're interrupting this rehearsal about, your retirement or possible retirement? Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. I can already tell that many drivers got to get on my nerves. So guys, the guy confirms that rumors are true. I am in fact leaving. Here's my replacement, this man. Oh, many drivers like, aha! It's like, I know it. <laughs> what, she plays a bet with one of the other cast members? Like, you owe me 50 bucks. Or, or 50 francs. Or whatever the currency is in this country. <laughs> Oh, wow, they're really doing this. Oh, yeah, these two men now own the opera house. Oh, great. Now they got to deal with new management. Ugh, what are their demands going to be? You can only rehearse between this hour and this hour. Sorry. We need it for the next... <laughs> Come on now. What are they going to use the, the playhouse for? AA meetings? What's going on? That, okay, that guy looks like... um 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 I gotta look it up, man. Cause, oh, Barty, Barty Crouch from Harry Potter, that face. I thought, like, that face. One of those people that are gonna be taking over the playhouse, like, owning it and all that stuff. And that was Goblet of Fire, so let me look up this man's face. Barty Crouch Jr. No, we need the first Barty Crouch. Barty, Barty, Barty. Where are you? Cornelius Fudge. Done. Death Eater, Barty Crouch, here we go. Was he in, my gosh, this guy's got a long ding resume, it goes on for fuck, never, let's see, um, I, wait, hold on, when did it come out? Phantom of the Opera, it came out in 04, so it might be in here, let's see, or it could be 100% wrong, um, I don't know, that guy's face looked like it, but it's not him, no, it's not. Okay, whatever. I, he looks like Barty Crouch Jr. Or, I mean Barty Crouch from the Harry Potter Goblet of Fire movie. Didn't he die? I thought he died in the movie. I don't know. 
junk business? Like a pawn shop? Oh, it's scrap metal, apparently. Okay. A throne. Pa uh, patron for us Americans, I guess. Decult de Chani. What? That sounds like a title to me. Forgive me for trying to pronounce these names, because, yeah. Right, Quinn? You could probably do better, right? No? Okay. Okay, his name is Raul, not Raul. Okay, I've been, been pronouncing it wrong. Now I feel stupid. But Emmy Rossum, Christine, and a gaggle of other girls that are all dressed alike for this play are all like, oh, look, we got new management. Oh, look, it's Raul. Okay, so Christine says that she and Raul, well, her, her father died, they lived in a house by the sea, and she and Raul were childhood sweethearts, something like that. Well, he is cute. I'll give her that. Yeah, definitely. Hit that up. Little Lottie. Your name is Christine. Uh, that's a nickname. So Raul says, hey, look, my parents and I, we support all the arts, so good for him. That's awesome. We need more supporters of the arts. Oh, here comes Minnie Driver. Oh, gosh, she's going to make a fool out of herself. You know she is. So she's going to be, like, putting her hands on his chest, on his face, like, oh. Yeah, she puts her hand in his for him to, you know, kiss. And he looks just so, like, uncomfortable, unnerved, like, ugh. Carlotta Judicella. I'm just going to call her Mini Driver because I'm not going to remember her name. And she already irritates me, so she doesn't deserve to have me remember her name. Oh, she's a leading soprano for five seasons. So, is each season a year? So, like, five years? Cool. Good for her. So, does Mbaro... Blotchy, whatever this dude's name is, does he got a rivalry with- Oh my gosh, is that his beard? Or is that just something they put on his face? For the, I mean, I'm talking about the character having the beard, not the actor who's betraying him. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just got a lot of adornment. And the beard just goes like, outward. Just, it's a lot is what I'm saying. It's like a giant mustache is growing from the bottom of his face. That's that's exactly what that is. A big bushy mustache made of curls. And he's got his mini-me counterpart who's also dressed just like him. At least uh, Raul uh, does apologize. Like, hey, I guess I'm keeping you guys from doing your thing. So I just wanted to come here and say, hey, I support the arts. I am going to be here this evening. So I can watch your show and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. Bye. Ugh, oh, my gosh. I, I just, I, I hate this character, Carlotta, or whatever her name is. She's like, oh, he loved me. He loved me. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He does not. Yuck. No. So, yeah, he, like, walks past Christine, doesn't even look her way, which, you know, he's probably got his mind on, you know, whatever. I mean, it's not like that place is lit up like uh, the 4th of July. There's not a lot of lighting. I mean, there is, but there isn't. They're, like, in the wings, like, off. St I don't know. All right, let's get back into action. Let's go do our, let's do the theater thing here. All right, let's get the playback going on. So, yeah, the new owners, they're kind of going through looking at the talent. Like, oh, that cute little blonde one. Oh, what's that dark-haired girl's name? And all that stuff. She's got to be like the ballet instructor. 
in charge of all the dancers. We learn that Christine's father was a Swedish vi- Swedish violinist. And because the guy's like, uh, Christine Dye or something is her name. And the owner is like, oh, she's not related to that, you know, Swedish violinist that died. And the ballet instructor like, yeah, he, she is his only child. Where does she live? I mean, clearly then she doesn't live with her mother, right? It was just the dad. So is she like living at the opera house? Do they have like a dormitory or something? Maybe a little loft apartments above? I don't know. Okay, so we get Christine's backstory. Thank you, ballet instructor, because I was just wondering that myself. She's filling me in. Thank you, thank you. Orphaned at seven when she came to live and train in the ballet dormitories. There we go. Thank you. Confirm my curiosity right there. So the guy is particularly, the one of the owners is like, oh, an orphan, you say. And she, and the ballet instructors, well, I think of her as an, a daughter, just like my my or, or daughter over there, yeah. And she's like, can you guys kind of move? You are kind of interrupting as I'm giving you a tour of the place. You kind of interrupt it, you know. They're rehearsing. There's only so much time in the day. We got to make sure we get this right. The performance is tonight, I guess, from what we hear, right? So, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that, that like, mustache, curly beard thing was totally fake because it fell off that guy's face. <laughs> but I, I, I like the opera when it's all together, when everyone's singing, not just Minnie Driver, thank goodness, because don't like it. But, uh, and she's really looks like someone who's trying to stand out, like, maybe back in her heyday, like, she was really good, you know, for the last five seasons, and now we're going to have a newcomer come up, and she's going to be a lot better, and... Uh, is this this kind of gives me circusy? Mm, mm, I don't know, maybe not circusy vibes, but I don't know. Just you know how the circuses took away the elephants, which thank goodness for the elephants because there's just a horrible, horrible life for them with the circus and everything. She's horrible. But that's just that's kind of what I get with the. Um, I don't know if this is supposed to be like ancient Rome or something that they're depicting. I'm something to that effect. Just it's I don't know what the story is here. Something about someone named Hannibal. That elephant thing that's on stage, that fake um, elephant, you turn it around and you see like a couple guys that are supposed to be operating it, probably the trunk, are like just sipping their booze, like, oh, don't mind me. Just Is there a table? Like there's a table that's inside this giant elephant. Weird. So we got Mini Driver throwing a fit, like, oh, I hope you like your dancing girls because I will not be singing. Like, Whatever. We can do without you. You're not that great anyway. We've just been kind of uh, throwing you a bone these last five seasons just to shut you up. Clearly you realize you're not great. I'm sorry. I can't stand. I'm Nothing against Minnie Driver. I loved her in Good Will Hunting. I think that's probably one of the only movies I've seen of her in. Maybe. I might have seen others, but... It's this character. I don't like her. She's annoying already, and the movie hasn't even been on for, like, 15 minutes, and I already can't stand her. Good. The play will survive without you, I'm sure. I love his mini driver walks off stage. Everyone's like, bye, with a little finger bang, bye. And <laughs> the little mini-me guy with the weird... Oh, a lot of them have the mustache beards that go left or right. Okay. <laughs> 
goodness gracious, this is funny. She's such a drama queen. Makes me think of Rachel Berry from Glee. Oh, God. <laughs> so now the new owner's got to pacify Minnie Driver's character, who is having a drama queen fit as she walks off stage. <sighs> Calling her a diva, like Bella Diva, and, oh, you're a world-renowned dancer. We can't do the show without you. Please stay. <sighs> really, they are really hammering it, like, oh, goddess of song. Like, no, no. Because she's been there, like, the last five seasons. Like, she's a top singer, apparently. Like I said, I think they were throwing her a bone all these like, five, five years. What, are they giving her a solo to pacify her? Oh, come on. I haven't even heard Christine sing, and she's amazing. Well, I'm sure she's amazing. I haven't heard her sing either, the right, but she's good. I mean, the fandom of the opera is in love with her. That put... Oh, because she wanted her dog... And you got the two ladies who were cleaning the chairs or something out in the audience, or out in the seats and whatnot, and she's got that, that poor dog! Oh my gosh, that dog's like, get me out of here! I don't want to be owned by this lady, she's nuts! So yeah, her drama queenness is holding up production. Can we, like, move along? Have your drama queen fit! I guess they're saying, hey, can you give us a private rendition? Like, what, sing for us privately or something? No. They're really pacifying her. We found the reason that the guy is retiring is for his health. Well, he's been working with many drivers' character for five years. So I can see why he's retiring. Like, I gotta get out. I can't stand her demands anymore. She's got a rider a mile long, I'm telling you. She uses some spray or something in her mouth. Is that what they did back then? The kind of help, like, moisten their throat muscles or something? I don't know. We come back to the, uh, the, the audience seats there with the two ladies they're putting <laughs> cloth in their ears or something. Like, the, yeah, 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 I see it, yeah. This song that she's, Minnie Driver's doing is not bad. It's, is it Remember Me? Is that the song she's singing? It's not bad. It's, it's, when she's not being flashy and all like, oh, look at me, look at me, she's, she seems okay here. I'll give her that. But only that. Everyone's kind of looking at her and surprised, like, oh, wow, she's okay on her own. All right, someone above is let something loose, something hanging. I think she's going to be dead. Okay, someone does not want Minnie Driver in the movie to live. I wouldn't have went to that extreme, but... Where she's got to get, because we got to get Christine out there. We got to get her voice out there. We got to get, yeah, that's a, the Phantom of the Opera. Does not, no, it doesn't work with Minnie Driver and the Phantom of the Opera. It's got to be Christine. Yes, apparently it was the Phantom of the Opera who brought down that sheet curtain. Everyone's like, ah, and Minnie Driver it lands on her. Doesn't kill her, mind you, but uh, she's having a little fit again. And we got the blonde-haired girl, the friend of Christine. It's like, oh, it's the Phantom of the Opera. He strikes again. I think it was the operator up above. And he's like, hey, don't look at me. I wasn't at my post at the time, so don't throw this on me. So we see, I'm guessing this is a stagehand, and we see a letter fall down that's got one of those, um, the markings on the back with the, um, the candle wax, you know, smudge thingy, the little imprint thingy that's, yeah. So I think definitely 
we're going to get our first look at this. So, yeah, the stagehand working above says I wasn't at my post. Like, hey, if someone was here, it's got to be a ghost because I wasn't at my post. Hey, that rhymed. How about that? That person, if this is the phantom, spent a lot of time with this candle wax insomnia thing. Because it's red, but it's like a skull that, like, pops out. And I'm like, wow, that is interesting. So, many drivers back to being a drama queen, saying, hey, this has been going on for the last three years. You two don't know. You had, you just got here. You just took over ownership. So, if these things are going to still happen, I'm I'm out of here. I'm just, I'm not doing the play. I'm just, I'm done. So, has this been uh, multiple attempts on her life? The Phantom has tried to attack her in the last three years? I don't know. Possibly, because she's over it and she's done. She's like, you two are worse than him. What, because they're not groveling at your feet and asking, what do you want? What do you want? I'll give you anything. Ugh, come on. She leaves. She's like, bring my doggy and my boxy. Uh-huh. The guy with the, yeah, the, the big the big guy with the beard the, that goes, like, left to right. He's like, amateurs. So is he talking about the, the new owners? <laughs> Apparently don't know how to handle the Diva Mini Driver. Sorry. She says, bye-bye. <laughs> no, I'm really leaving. Go, go, go. Thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the old owner's like, gentlemen, good luck. If you need me, I'll shall be in Australia. Like, as far away from here as humanly possible. And as far away from any driver as humanly possible. One of the new owners is, like, looking at the other, the, I'm guessing it's the conductor. is like, hey, she'll be coming back, right? Mini driver, is she coming back? And it's like, <laughs> fuck if I know she does this shit all the time but she might she might come back I don't know why don't you go ask her so the lady who picked up the skull wax imprinted envelope is like oh you think she'll be back here I have a message from the goat the opera ghost and one of the two owners the guy with the brown hair is all like oh, cold in heaven you're all obsessed well, you haven't been here the last, like, three to five years, dude. If you had been, you'd be obsessed, too. We don't know this guy. We don't know his identity. We don't know he, what he wants. He clearly doesn't want many driver anywhere in this opera house. So, that we can rest assured because he tried to kill her again. Okay, so it looks like Phantom has his, he's got his demands, if you will. He welcomes you to his opera house. He wants you to leave box five empty for his use and also reminds you that his salary is due. I don't know who this guy is. Who are they paying a salary to? Did he say leave some gold coins by the back door and I'll pick them up? The guy's like his salary? What? What are we paying this guy for? Not to kill us? So he wants 20, <clears throat> excuse me. He wants 20,000 francs a month. Oh, apparently Monsieur Leferi, whatever his name, the guy that's going to Australia used to give him 20,000 francs a month. How much does that equate to American dollars? I don't know. I love how the lady's like, oh, the old uh, owner used to give him 20,000 francs a month. Like, it's no big deal. It's like, that's like pennies to us. <laughs> But the guy, like, shits his pants barely. He's like, 20,000 francs. <laughs> What's a vicomte? Is that, like, a higher up? Is that, like, the rich of the richie? 
I don't know. I don't know who the become is. I'm not even saying it correctly. And he's like, oh, I was going to make that public tonight. Dang it. Why'd you have to spill the beans, lady? We're going to ask him to join us at the gala and then, like, go for his pocketbook after. <sighs> Nobody likes these new owners. But then again, that's the thing when you're used to, you know, your new man, your your regular manager, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm leaving, I'm putting it someone else, and then you and then the new person kind of clash and, like, just doesn't get along. Like, uh... So now he's screaming, ripping up the demand. He's like, obviously we'll have to cancel because it appears we've lost our star. She really, she's your star for the last five seasons. Whatever. Whatever. Even the conductor's like mouth is agape. Like, what? You're ripping up that note? He's going to kill us all. You realize that now. The Phantom is going to kill all of us because you will not accept his demands of 20,000 francs a year. It is a year, right? Or is it a month? I don't know. I think it was a month. I'm already forgetting. So yeah, they're like, hey, what about an understudy? She's gotta have one. I mean, she's a star. She's gonna have an understudy. Heaven forbid something happens to her. And then the play's like, totally fucked. Apparently, yeah, of course there's no understudy for Minnie Driver. Are you insane? She would never allow it. She have laryngitis and she'd probably still go on. Because that's how Minnie Driver works. The character in the movie, not Minnie Driver the actress. <laughs> freaking out like oh my gosh we are gonna have to refund the entire house we're going to have to put this place on auction for auction this is horrible and they just took over ownership it's like what in the fuck? i got okay we learned this dude's name one of the new owners his name is andre has he been in something that i was he's got that face that i would just how is he not barney crouch <laughs> <laughs> okay, but his name is Andre. Um, Phantom. Phantom of the Opera. There are... <laughs> the Phantom with Billy Zane. <laughs> Let's see. Andre, Andre, Andre. Here, Simon Callow. Um, has he been in... in holy jeez. He's still working, guys. He's still Simon Callow. Callow, whatever his name is. My gosh, he's been working forever. Oh my god. And there's a lot of these, like... Mm. Oh, you said... Oh, I don't know if that is. Mr. and Mrs. Bridge? Never heard of it. Um, it looks like a lot of Shakespeare in Love. Self in Film Within Film in Notting Hill. Don't know what that's about. Okay. Um, 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 Christmas Carol the Movie. 2001, he played, did the voice of Scrooge slash Charles Dickens. Nothing, nothing, nothing that I really recommend. Downton App. What? Wait. Comic Relief, Upstairs, Downstairs, Abbey, Julian Fellows, 2011. Okay, well, that don't help me. Thank you. Is this guy still alive? Oh, he is still alive. He's born 49. All right, good for him. Good for him. Okay, let's move on. Don't care, don't thank you. Oh, yeah, that's the lady. That's the lady. It's like, well, Christine's an orphan, but she's like a daughter to me. Like, my blonde-haired daughter is my, like, my daughter. Anyway, yeah, she's like, hey, Christine could do it. She can sing. You gotta listen to her. She's amazing. She will, like, blow many drivers singing out of the water. Like, oh, a car's girl? Don't be silly. 
She has been taking lessons from a great teacher, okay? You just hear her just once, your heart will melt. She is like the female Josh Groban, I'm telling you. Okay, so when the new owner, one of the new owners asked, like, well, who's your teacher? And Christine says, I don't know, sir. I, I haven't met him. <laughs> um, he's like, so the ballet instructor says, let her sing for you. Okay, she is, like I said, she's amazing. She's like the female Josh Groban. You won't be disappointed. So the new owner is like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Oh, have her sing for me. Don't be shy. She's wearing basically a Roman bikini. There's like... It's just so weird to me that Emmy Rossum, who plays Christine, was 17. Seven years later, she'd be on the show Shameless. She was also in the movie Mystic River with Sean Penn and Kevin Bacon. That one was a good movie. So yeah, let's listen to this. She's got a gorgeous voice. It's so beautiful. So yeah, we see her singing, she's on stage, and all of a sudden it's like you go out into the audience and all the seats are filled up. So is this her imagining it, or is this we're just fast forwarding to the night of the play? So, and also when she says she's never, she doesn't know the identity of her teacher, so clearly she has been getting music lessons from the Phantom already. So yeah, the night of the performance, it looks like we do see Raul in one of those box, you know, seats up in the wall area. We also see the new owners of the Playhouse there. And everyone is just moved by her beautiful voice, which is not surprising at all. She does have a beautiful voice. She's like bringing the house down with that song. So we go down to the floor, we go through the floor, we go all the way down to the bottom of, uh, of the pit of the opera house, way down in the dungeon, the deep, 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 dank, dank, dark, cobwebby area, and we see the Phantom. He's listening to her voice. Well, I mean, he is her teacher, so... And love, we go back up, the audience loves, loves it, loves it. I see her being the new star. She's going to take over many drivers. You know, her five seasons, she's out the door. We got, boom, we got Christine in the house. She's awesome. She's amazing. We're going to keep her. She's going to be the front runner for every performance. Oh, so we go, we cut to Raul, and he is looking, and he's realizing, like, could this be? Can this can it be Christine? You know, from his childhood sweetheart when they were like, maybe, I don't know, are they close in age? Is he a few years older than her? I don't know. I mean, when she says childhood sweetheart, I don't know how old her character is supposed to be. Is her character 17, 18, 21? I don't know. Maybe when they were like eight, they were childhood sweethearts. I don't know. What is childhood sweetheart? What is 
the age range. So, yeah, Raul joins in this duet, unbeknownst to Christine. And they both have amazing voices. I can't wait to hear them do a real duet together. Shit, that performance brought down the house. We got standing ovation, everybody. Everyone's standing on their feet, clapping. Their, oh, this is this is the new star. This is the new star right here. So we cut outside. Minnie Driver is in a carriage with some dude, and she takes a bite of something like a cupcake or whatever, and she faints. Like this lady was coming out to tell her, like, oh, there's such a great performance. You totally missed it. You need to get over yourself, Mini Driver, because there's a new star in town. All right, looks like it's the after party, and Christine's blonde friend is looking for her. We go, I guess she's like in a dressing room or bedroom or her dorm, and there's a picture of her father. His name is Gustav Day, D-A-A-E or something. Okay, this is not a bedroom. This is not a dormitory. This is... It looks like it's a church. Like, in a way, it's like when you're going to church, like, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to light a candle, I'm going to say a prayer, that type of thing. Because she's lighting candles. And she's still wearing the dress that she performed in on stage. And there's stained glass windows there with biblical characters. You know, her, oh, her father is there, so she's saying a prayer for her for her dad. Like, Dad, I really wish you could have seen me tonight. I was amazing. You would have loved it. You would have been so proud of me. So we hear a voice. I thought maybe it was like the Phantom. Oh, here we go with the blonde friend who's calling for Christine. And her friend's like, hey, where have you been hiding? There's an after party. You should be there. You're the star. You need to soak up all the adoration. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm praying to my dad, just talking to my dad, telling him about my performance. I mean, I know he was looking down on me, watching me tonight. But I just like to, you know, we have these these talks. I come here, I light a candle, we we talk. This is kind of feels like it's kind of like Les Mis, where mainly all the dialogue is in song, where Christine's blonde friend, forgot her name, I'm just calling her the blonde friend, Asked like, oh, you were amazing tonight. Who's your tutor? Who's your great tutor? What's his name? Can you recommend me? Okay, her friend's name is Meg. Okay, I'm immediately getting family. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna do that. No, I'm getting um American Dreams. Meg from American Dreams. Oh, we get a flashback of her saying, um, yeah, when your mother brought me here to live, and we see a young Christine with Meg's mom. So. Christine tells Meg, when I was little, your mother brought me here. Down here, I would go light a candle for my father, and I would hear this voice. And we see her at different ages, like lying in bed. She's hearing the voice from above. And then she talks about when her dad was dying. He said that she would be protected by an angel. And maybe she is thinking that this music teacher, who she's never seen, just hears his voice. That he is that angel that's protecting her. Well, I wouldn't exactly say that. It's, yeah. So Christine calls him the angel of music. And Meg asks, like, hey, Christine, do you think that maybe it could be your dad coaching you? Like, his voice, like, down from the heavens? And maybe Christine's like, yeah, who else, Meg? I think that could be my dad. So Christine and Meg are singing the song. I'm guessing this is angel of music. 
because they're talking about, you know, this angel of music, this voice, come out of the shadows, hide no longer. So now, in the, even in the song, uh, Meg is like, Christine, your hands are cold. Your face is white. And she's, Christine's like, well, he's all around me. It frightens me. It's like, now this entity, well, I can imagine it probably is. You've never seen this person's face. For a while, you probably thought it was your dad speaking to you and coaching you. And now, all of a sudden, it's just like, now, I mean, the idea of it, is, it does sound frightening. It really does. She's bringing her to the after party. I kind of figured that's where she was drinking. Holy jiguli, look at all those roses. You got pink and white roses. Uh, literally, oh my gosh, those candles are going to light those roses aflame. Those candles are too close to those flowers. Okay, so we see Meg's mom talking. Okay, I, like I said, <laughs> you can clearly tell I've never seen the movie before. I really... I wonder if maybe at some point, because she has looked after Christine, makes mom has looked after Christine for since she was a little girl. She brought her there to the to live in the dormitory. Why do I get the feeling at some point? I uh, I I hope I'm wrong, but I feel like Ming's mom at some point is gonna turn on christine and like my daughter should be in the spotlight or something like that just kind of jealousy i mean i'm sure she's probably i just i get this feeling like there is something sinister that's going to happen i hope that i'm wrong because seriously christine doesn't have anyone other than meg and her mom taking care of her Okay, so Meg's mom hands Christine a red rose that's got a black silk ribbon around it. Kind of a little ribbon bow. She says he is pleased with you. Well, I'm guessing the reason they give him like 20,000 francs a month or a year or whatever is to kind of keep him at bay. Like, hey, if we keep paying him, he's not going to destroy the opera house. So Raul is like, hey, look, own new owners, I want to talk to Christine myself, I don't need you to introduce me, can I please just go and visit her unaccompanied, um, unaccompanied, please, thank you, thank you. Duh! This guy's like, the, one of the new owners is like, oh, it's a pure sleep map before, duh, of course, you go, you go do something else, new owners, you go away. I'm going to play this clip of Raul and Christine meeting once again after all these years. Am I fonder of dolls or of goblins or shoes? <laughs> or of riddles or frocks? Or of chocolates? As we read to each other, dark stories of the North. No, what I love best, thought he said, is when I'm asleep in my bed. And the angel of music sings songs in my head. The angel of music sings songs in my head. <sighs> you sang like an angel. Oh, no 
We go to somewhere. Nowhere. The angel of music is very strict. Well, it shan't keep you up late. <laughs> Ral, no. <laughs> you must change. I'll order my carriage. Two minutes, little lie. No. Ral, wait! Oh, no. Is he gonna be killed? Oh! Oh, she's locked in there. Oh, she's locked in the room. Oh. Of course it's a black girl. You don't even see this person's face. Oh, there's Meg's mom. Seeing it happen. Yeah, so Raul comes in. They reminisce about them being kids, reading in the attic, and all that fun stuff. And he says, hey, I want to take you out to dinner. And she's like, no, I can't. The angel of music doesn't want me out late. He's like, well, we'll make it an early evening. She's like, no, I can't. He just forbids it. I can't. So Raul leaves. Raul. <laughs> Raul. Raul leaves. We get a close-up on the lock. There's a key in the lock from outside. She's locked in her dressing room or her room. So she ain't going nowhere. Um, and, of course, Meg's mom sees this happen, I think. So the lights all go out. The candles are blown out, clearly by the Phantom. And he is angry. He has this song he's singing with venom in his voice and talking about this insolent fool, this pretty boy who's coming to call on you. Like, this isn't going to happen, so... And he's just saying, like, he's sharing in your beautiful song, and it seems like the Phantom is saying, you know, he's trying to take it from, from my credit. I am the reason that you're so good, because I've been teaching you to sing all these years. And he just, he he's very, this Phantom, we just, I mean, in this song, it's just it's venomous, just like, how dare this man come calling to you? Because basically it's like, you're mine, you're my creation, I helped you make I helped make you who you are today. And this is... So, yeah, yeah, he's very, very, very possessive of Christine. This voice, just per this entity she's never met. Insolent boy, this slave of fashion, basking in your glory. <laughs> Ignorant fool, this brave young suitor. <laughs> Sharing in my triumph. When I hear you speak, <laughs> I listen. Stay by my side, guide me. Angel, my soul was weak. Forgive me, victor of laws, master. Flattering child, you shall. My gosh, so now she's like asking him for forgiveness. Like, I'm sorry, I was foolish, I shouldn't have had him come in. I mean, he invited himself and she didn't like, hey, come in. Like, she didn't know who was going to be at the door. And she's like, I'm sorry, I was weak. He was a cute face. He's my childhood sweetheart. What do you want me to do? So she's like swearing her devotion to the the phantom and it's just like oh I just I feel so bad for her. The situation is just horrible. 
Yeah, she's staring in the mirror, and we see the phantom, like, half of his face is in shadow, the other half is, like, this clay-white mask that's covering his face. And it's just, oh, I just, like I said, I feel bad for her. She wants to see him. She's pleading with him to hide no longer. I want to see you. Is he putting her in a trance? Because, you know, she's talking about the angel of music. It's like, I don't think this man, this entity, is what your father had in mind when he said an angel of music is going to come down and, and help you. This is something far sinister. It's like this guy heard her talking about an angel of music when she was young. He, like, rambled, like, hey, great. I'm, this is my muse. I'm going to take over her life. She's. I'm going to, you know, give her so much talent, but she's going to be beholden to me. And I'm going to have control over her and everything. And it's like, now he's like, the sinister music is kicking in. And it's like, she looks like she's in a trance. Like, he's going to take her down to his lair. So... I guess Raul, ugh, oh my goodness, I'm sorry, Raul, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's, like, trying to get in, he sees the door is locked. Did he not get the memo that, like, no, I can't go out tonight, no, no, no? He just got, like, yeah, 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 I'll be back in, like, two minutes, five minutes, just change. I'll come back. So, yeah, he comes back, the door is locked. Is he hearing any of this noise going on? Like, him speaking to Christine and, like, what's going on in there? Someone hurting you? I'm gonna break down the door. Thank you. Thank you, Raul. He's like, who is that voice? Who's that man in there? And we see Christine, and we see the phantom. He is putting her in a trance. I don't even think Christine can even hear Raul. It's like really dark and smoky in there. He's like, come to me, angel of music. It's like, oh my gosh. It's like Sleeping Beauty with that spinning wheel where she's in a trance. It's like you prick your finger on the spinning wheel and boom, you're like a slip. It's like this. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm even getting Beauty in the V. Beauty and the Beast vibes, where I feel like the Phantom is guest on, and Raul, Raul is the Beast. No, I mean, more like the Beast is, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the heck I'm saying. I'm just saying, this, like, feels some comparisons to Beauty and the Beast in a way, but not, I don't know. Ignore me, ignore that statement, I don't know what I'm talking about. Of course, it's a gloved hand, and she takes it. You know, anyone who's wearing gloves when it's not winter is clearly up to something. Seriously. I mean, if you're not, if you're not Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy, you know, Michael Jackson, if you're not one of them, if you're not them, you're not wearing gloves unless it's cold out. I'm telling you. And it's a black glove. It's so sinister. And he's wearing like a black overcoat. And you only ever see the hand, the glove hand. And the heavy wool black coat. Now we got that eerie, like, phantom organ, but it's got that little kick of rock going in it. And it's like, clearly she's in a trance. He's got her. He's taking, down, taking her down to his lair. Gosh, this makes me think of the Man of Iron Mask. Yeah, he's still leading her down there, saying that his power over her is even stronger now that, you know, he's got her, like, physically got her, leading her down there. Girl, you are not going to be able to escape if you go down there with him. Oh, my goodness. 
He's got her on a dang horse now, leading the horse down to the depths of the dungeons below the fan, the um, opera house. This is, woof. good grief, how far is this place under this? Like, oh my gosh. And the horse is all like, I'm not a willing participant. I was taking my force. Oh, the poor horse. And Christine. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, the phantom keeps talking about the phantom of the opera is there inside your mind. Okay, so where's the horse going to go? There's clearly a boat there. The horse isn't going in that boat with the two of you. So what's the horse? He's going to wait there? Like, you wait here, horse. I'll come back for you myself once I've locked Christine in a dungeon down here. Come on now. I, for one, honestly, am going to be on. I'm going to be 100% on. I do not like this rock music undertone to this. It just, bleh. We get it suspenseful. You don't have to have a rock music under. But then again, this is Joel Schumacher, who also did the Lost Boys movie, which I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, we go down to the Phantom's Lair. I mean, it is set up like there. He's got like dioramas of like the sets and her, like probably from her opening number. And it's just a lot of like sheet music rolled up and just this is weird i don't understand like why did you bring is she going to be down here for the next two hours of the movie because i'm only like 40 minutes into this thing so i'm like what is the deal he's going to keep her down there raul's going to have to come down and like try to rescue her or something what's going on yeah it's like he's brought her down to the dang sewers like he's shredder from teenage mutant ninja well Shredder doesn't live down in the sewers. That's the turtles and splinters lair. But it's like a dang river or whatever. Just it's a dang stinky sewer. You gotta get there by boat. And it's just like, what is your deal, man? So he's singing about how, like, ever since he heard her sing, he wanted to bring her down there and keep her there, like, for his muse, his pet. It feels like just he's very possessive. We've seen that. So basically, but he's creating his own music. He's like, I need you to sing for me. Like, I'm writing music. I need you to sing it for me. Or maybe it's like, I created you. Your gift, it's mine. It came from me. So I don't want to, I don't know. My gosh, every aspect of the opera house, he's got like a diorama. He's got a diorama of the chandelier. Just, oh my, it makes me think of... Quasimodo, not that's but the fact that he had like a diorama of the entire town square and everything because he's like locked away in a bell tower. I mean, I'm no way in heck comparing beautiful, sweethearted Quasimodo to this piece of crap controlling monster that I see before, but then again, I don't know what is this guy gonna do that's gonna redeem him in my eyes. I just see him as someone who's like, Hey, I created you, I'm gonna be taking possession of you because I created your voice and all that, and you're going to hang out down here in the um, dank, dirty sewer water dungeon with me. I don't want to share you with the world anymore. Okay, this song has, like, been going on for five minutes. Nothing wrong with the movie, but it's like, can we... He keeps just talking about wanting to possess her, and now he's, like, full-on groping her under her booble area, and like running his hand along her lower midsection. I'm like, I'm not 
just so yeah he is a hundred and thousand one bazillion obsessed with her and because she's been hearing his voice since she was a child she is just enamored with and she's, she's under his spell is what she is so yeah this is where we see what's supposed to be a wax version of christine but it turns out it's actually emmy rossum is standing very still looks like she's in a bridal gown with a veil and it's like i think and christine sees it and she's like fucking what in the hell is this i think she's like like i don't want to be here anymore i i i can't just what what is this and she actually passes out which ugh, i would wow he's taking to her her she she passed out of course he's taking to her taking her to a bed Um, that is a, a bed that's shaped like a swan, and then it's got, like, satiny pink bedding and giant-ass plump pillows, and what? Oh, okay, so Meg comes in, looks for Christine, it's dark in her room, turns out this mirror that Christine was staring into is a passageway into... Okay, down to the depths of where the Phantom lives. So, yeah, Maggie's just walking along the this uh, corridor underground path. And, of course, it's wet and damp, and there's mice running, rats, whatever you want to call them, running around. I mean, she's not dressed to go strolling down into the dark, dank depths of this upper house. So apparently Meg's mother finds her, grabs her, and is like, nah, you don't need to be down here. There's nothing for you to see. And I don't know, what are we, is this an, another play that we're going to now that they're rehearsing? Just like the after party of the after party, because we got some dude, like, all, like, scaring the ladies, and it looks like there's a bunch of beds, so it's just the women's dormitory where they all hang out. I don't know, what is this? So is this guy kind of, like, singing about what he thinks the Phantom looks like? Like, oh, you gotta be on your guard. What the hell? This guy is, like, up in the women's dormitory. Okay, hopefully Meg's mom was like, what the fuck are you doing up here? This is ladies only. You need to stop making out with the ladies. This is just wrong. I will fire you in a heartbeat. Oh, is this Miranda Richardson? Wasn't she in this movie? Let me check that out. Thought she that looks like her. And I think when I think Miranda Richardson, I think of Patsy number two from the Evening Star, the sequel to Terms of Endearment. Let me double check. I think that might be her. Yes, Madame Gary. Uh who's that dude? Uh Jennifer Ellison, who plays Meg. Has she been in anything I've noticed? Uh, doesn't look like it. Okay. Yeah, the guy's name is Joseph Bouquet or whatever. I'm just going to call him Joseph. She's basically telling Joseph to shut the fuck up and get out of here. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You never met the Phantom. You don't know what he looks like. Shut your mouth. Yeah, slap him across the face. He's trying to make out with one of your girls. Is she trying to, like, choke him out with that noose that he had? Because he's using it like a lasso. Okay, finally, we get the Symbol Monkey music box. Oh, that, now we're back down in the lair in the swan bed. Okay. 
Yeah, so Christine awakens, probably wondering where the fuck am I? I was in my dressing room at one point. Because you know she was under a spell. So Christine wakes up, gets out of bed, she starts recalling the things she remembers, like the smoke, the haze, the fog, I was in a trance, there's a man, there's a boat, there's a lake, and then of course we see the phantom, he's sitting at his organ, 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 whatever, his piano organ, um, and he turns around like, oh yeah, you're awake, uh, yeah, you're down here with me, I can't let you back above, sorry. So, yeah, clearly it's like, oh, now that she's awake and she's coherent, she's going to start asking questions. Of course she is. Because she's really, what the fuck? Who, what? Huh? Of course she goes over to him, you know, singing, who was that man in the shadows, who's that face in the mask. And she puts a hand on his exposed face, and then she puts another her other hand on his mask, like she's trying to, like, pull it off of him. I mean, there's still quite a bit of movie to go, so I don't think she's going to rip it off right now. Oh, shit, she did. Wow, okay. Um, great. Yeah, he's like, <gasps> Yeah, and then he gets up, he's like, Dom, do a little prime Pandora. Like, you dick, you brought her down here. He didn't think she was going to eventually come to, and like, what the hell, where am I? You didn't want that, you should have put a freaking, I don't know. You should have made the glue stick on that mask. I don't know. My gosh. God forbid she sees his real identity. That mask, his that face is 95% exposed. That mask ain't doing shit for him. It's like covering, like, part of his forehead, his eye, and part of his cheek. That's about as much as that mask is covering. Now he's having a fucking meltdown because calling her all these damn names and then he's ripping this cloth over this mirror like this is what you want to just say and it's just like dude you look fine what it, a little burn mark it looks like so, it honestly doesn't look any different than in Home Alone when Marv got that iron to the face seriously Basically, he's telling her, he's calling her a lying Delilah, a viper, and now you can never be free. It's like, <sighs> yeah, right, what are you going to do, tie her up so she can't leave? I did they had to take a boat to get to that little section, but... Dude, I mean, like, you know you're acting like Mini Driver right now? You're going full fucking diva. Yeah, so he's still putting a hand up to his face, because, well, where did the mask go? Just throw the mask back on. Do you need glue to keep it... Stuck in one spot? I don't know. Yeah, he's talking about how tormented he is, calling himself a gargoyle who burns in hell but longs, secretly yearns for heaven. Okay, so let's see if I can get this straight. This guy, clearly, he probably worked was a performer at the Opera House eons ago. Something happened, a fire, whatever, disaster. He got hurt. He was embarrassed. He... Moved down to the dark, damp layers of the opera house. Got like a face mask, partial face mask to hide his distortion, I guess if you want to call it that. And now he's what? What is his main goal other than to keep Christine down there with him? I, I don't get it. I just, I don't get it. 
It's like he's got this forever going grudge against the opera house itself. Somehow he's like working there and then all of a sudden it's like the opera house turned on him, he got injured, and now he's forever holding this umpteen year grudge. I gotta say, I mean, the movie is okay, the singing isn't bad, but it's just like, can we kind of move the plot along a little bit? I really don't understand why this had to be over two and a half hours long. Titanic, I can see, being three hours, over three hours long. Green Mile, I can see, being over two, my, two hours long, which, Green Mile is amazing. Not that this movie is horrible, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying, can we kind of move it along? No sympathy for this man. I don't think I will at the end of the movie. And I just want to move this along. Okay, so he's looking at the wax version of Christine. She's wearing a wedding dress. She got a veil. He's saying fear can turn to love. He'll eventually learn to love the man behind the mask, behind the monster. And she's just like, what? Like this whole angel of music because she'd been hearing this voice since she was a child now it's like it's like you say you're meeting someone you admire like your favorite movie star whatever and the experience goes like really bad like the person comes off to be like a big giant jerk and you're you know so your your image of how you built them in your mind and everything which is not fair to the uh you know the celebrity the actor whatever our uh, own interpretation of them but it, sh it just feels like that scenario where it's like oh I can't wait to meet like my favorite soap opera star and then you sit down with them and they're either a plank of wood with no personality or they're just a rude mini driver diva piece of garbage human being I get it people are humans they have flaws and all that stuff they have faults but that just feels like, <laughs> like the curtain's been pulled back. Like, oh, yeah. So the person whose voice has been teaching me all these years, who I've grown to admire and listen to, is just... Yeah, the, the, the guy, the Phantom, is just singing about how he must appear, but deep down inside he's got a good heart. Oh, no wonder he couldn't put his mask on. She had been holding it the whole time. I'm like, where's your mask? Put it back on if you need to. It's almost like now that he has a mask, he's got his power back. Like a super a superhero has been drained of their power, and then they get a recharge or whatever. And now they're, uh, you know, they're they've been exposed. They're weak, and then they get the power back, and it's like they're invincible again or something. I don't know. Okay, so now that he's got his mask on, he's like, hey, look, those two fools that run the theater now, they're going to be missing you, you need a return, up above. Okay, so now he's not going to keep her there because he's got his mask back on. Okay. Okay, it looks like we're jumping ahead to 1919. As you see, the theater's been boarded up. There's signs like, hey, keep out, no protest pressing, if you break in here and you get hurt, it's not... On us, we're not liable, that kind of thing. So now we go from color to black and white. So we got Maggie Smith's character, not played by Maggie Smith, walking around outside. Is she going to confront the guy in the wheelchair with the, uh, the symbol monkey music box? Oh, he's in his car. He's hanging out in his car, and he's looking at her like, who is that? Oh my gosh, is that Patrick Will? Is that Raul? Is that That's got to be him, right? Because you know it ain't the Phantom. And I think that girl, that lady is Christine. 
50 plus years later, they're going to get together. Raul and, and, and Christine can have their happy happily ever after, right? I hope. Oh, he takes off his top hat and, like, nods to her. And she, like, looks at him and nods back, I guess. What was that about? Are we just going to jump back into the... And uh, where Christine is, like, her 17-year-old self again? What was that about? I mean, unless that's Miranda Richardson, which I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's... Maybe it's Meg. I'm not sure. Who is this lady? doesn't look anything look like Christine. <laughs> no. You see in the little round rear view mirror, she's still standing on the steps of that opera house. really want to know what the point of the scene is. Come on, like, what what's going on? Okay, and we go into the man's mind. I'm just going to say Tom Skerritt, elderly Tom Skerritt's mind. We go into his eye. Yeah, now we're going back in time to 1870. What? This is going to drive me nuts. What was that exchange about? Okay, so now it looks like in the papers they're missing, like, first, you know, Minnie Driver, and now Christine's gone, and the seats have been sold, so we're not giving any refunds. We'll find another singer. I don't know. I thought she was, Christine was, like, returning to the surface. She's not? Oh, apparently, yeah, um, the two new owners are all bitching, singing about the fact, like, hey, we got no cast, it's alright, the seats have been sold, so it's like, hey, you got a letter from the Phantom, open it up, read what it says. Okay, so basically, it seems, what I gather from what the Phantom is saying to them, it's like, hey, Carlotta is out, she's old fucking news, she's yesterday's news. We don't need her. You don't need her. You saw how great Christine was. Put her out front for every single show. Put her in the spotlight. Yeah, and of course, um, P.S. I haven't been paid yet. Let's get on top of that, please. It's signed OG, which is Opera Ghost. And it's like, seriously, no one likes a debtor. Just pay me my 20 frank, 20,000 francs. And we'll forget. Just, just keep... Keep paying me what I need. That's all I ask. It costs a lot to live down here in the danky sewer waters, so. And I need to feed my horse from time to time. Because the horse lives down here, too, in the sewer with me. Okay, so even Raul, Raul has a letter from the Phantom, but his is more like, Hey, um, I don't want you to make any attempts to see Christine anymore. The angel of music got her under her wing. Like... Yeah, <laughs> that's more to Raul and not aimed at the uh, opera house owners. Okay, Raul, apparently Mini Driver thinks that he, Raul, she thinks he sent that letter about like, hey, you try to take her place, I'm going to kill you. Don't attempt to take her place, I'm going to kill you. You suck, you're horrible, you're yesterday's news, get out of here, that kind of thing. Why in the hell did she think Raul would send that letter to her? No, it's from the Opera Ghost. Her last name is Diaz, D-A-A-E. Daye, okay. Oh my gosh, with the notes, postal day is just, whew. <laughs> They're having a delivery day. So yeah, uh, Megan and her mom are like, hey, look. Christine's in a room, she's resting. No, you cannot see her, Raul. I'm sorry, but no, she needs a rest. And she's going to be performing. So yeah, that's clearly not from Christine. That's from the Phantom. We see him saying, hey, you're going to cast Christine as this role. 
and mini driver is going to be like the whatever role she's yeah oh mini driver wasn't performing anymore after she had her little uh, hissy fit so yeah it's like the page boy for mini driver that rolls silent she'll be great for us so we don't want to hear her and of course christine is going to be out front and singing for her voice to be heard oh we see the wax that red wax that it's melting underneath that it's got a flame underneath it okay so we see it's like a skeleton stamp oh that's interesting that'd be cute for halloween people still send letters <laughs> how many who's, who's sending letters nowadays and with their bills like a handwritten letter with a wax stamp on the back oh so yeah turns out the two new owners are placating mini driver like hey don't worry about it you're still the star you're the lead christine will be playing the page boy oh my god well clearly heads are gonna roll then because uh, you know the phantom ain't gonna like that he gave his orders expects them to be obeyed and if they're not heads are gonna roll shit's going down that upper house is gonna be up in flames so yeah, Mini Driver's like, hey, I'm leaving. There's nothing you can say or do that'll make me stay. She goes to the door. A lot of people just want her to fucking leave. Like, if you go against the Angel of Music's words, he's gonna, you know, have it out for all of us. So she opens the door to out to the courtyard. And here we got people with roses for miss die miss uh you know christine so yeah so mini driver's going on anyway regardless of what the letter says we got raul who's trying to figure out who this angel of music is who wrote that letter so yeah mini driver's on stage everyone's kind of noticing that the phantom is around they're kind of wondering like what is he gonna do because christine is playing the page boy role and the lady has some spray, you know, that's supposed to be for Mini Driver's voice, in between songs, and I'm guessing if that's what the, uh, Phantom used, like, changed out the liquid or something, so now her voice is all fucked up, and everyone's kind of laughing. Alright, looks like, uh, Mini Driver's down for the count, and they're gonna have Christine playing the role of the Countess. After a bunch of shuffling about and all that fun stuff. Uh, also, there's stuff going on above. The guy who actually handles all the the ropes and stuff when it comes to bringing stuff down on the sets. He is like, I'm going to discover who this phantom is. I think he's going to get killed. <laughs> yep, he gets hung by rope and he goes down. The uh, guy who normally is working on all the things from above, like a catwalk and all that stuff. So, yep, he's dead. Yeah, he's shown hanging there. Is that um, Joseph? The guy who was hitting on all the girls in their dormitories? <laughs> so, yeah, the, the two owners are like, hey, everyone stay in their seats. It's going to be fine. It's like, they just saw a man get hung. Are you fucking kidding me? No one is staying in their seats for that. They're like, we want out of here before this. Whoever this is kills all of us. So now Raul is like telling Christine, like, hey, there is no Phantom of the Opera. And she's like, well, then who is this man that's going around killing people? So he, they're saying, you know, all about like, there is no Phantom of the Opera. And she's like, Raul, I've been there. Okay, I've been to his world of an unending night. 
I've slept in that swan bed. She's going on, you know, she's seeing his face, she's seeing what he looks like. She's seeing how it's distorted, disformed. It's like, no, it wasn't. It's an iron burn mark. It's nothing. I mean, the way she's going on, you'd think that she had been kidnapped by that poor elephant man. Like, fan the phantom didn't look like the elephant man. I'm telling you, no. And I feel so bad for that. I've never seen the elephant man movie. I just remember the very end of the movie where he is just crouching and, and, and just cowering and just saying, Hey, I'm a human being. Treat me like a human being. You all are the real animals. Oh my goodness. So it definitely feels like Christine is just, you know, being connected to the Phantom through music. Like, yes, he's he's horrifying, but he also, it's almost like he's saying, I've seen through his eyes into the depth of the soul. There's something there. There is a sweetness. It's just clouded by all this darkness is what I'm getting from this, the song that she's singing. Raul you, Raul, you don't know him. I've been there. I've seen him without his mask. There's something good lurking under all the darkness. So they're out on like a patio area while they're singing the song. The Phantom is also out there on the same patio behind like a gargoyle and he's listening to her admit this. And Christine's words just make me think of all the girls out there that fall in love with the bad boy. Like, oh, I can change him. He's got a sweet side, even though he's got a rough exterior. That kind of feeling. That's what I'm getting. So Raul, it, Raul is just trying to be like the protector. Like, hey, forget all that that you've seen down below. I'm here. I'll take care of you. Let my words warm and comfort you and calm you kind of feeling that, that he's singing to her. Like, hey, I'm here. Remember, we were childhood sweethearts. Let me take you away from all of this. So, Christine and Raul are singing a duet, All I Ask of You. It's a very beautiful song. And they're just talking about wanting to share their life together and the, you know, he'll protect her and all this. She's wanting to be, yeah, just what she wants for you know, to be in love and just be away and just together with him, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, Raul and Christine kiss. This is their first on-screen kiss together. Just... They're just wrapped up in all the the love and, and just the moment of wanting, you know, he's like, I'll give you your freedom and everything from this phantom that clearly has got a hold on you and just we'll live out our days and we'll just be together. Of course, the phantom has been, you know, listening behind a gargoyle this whole time to this song. So, yeah, it seems like because Raul and Christine go off. Uh, away from the patio area and she of course dropped that flower the phantom picks it up he cries because for a moment he thought he maybe he had christine before she started that all i ask of you duet row and now he realizes like no he doesn't have her he will never have her she will never want him in the way that she wants row 
The only way he can have her is if he takes her by force, and she will never, ever be willing. She will never, ever consent to wanting to be with him. Uh, even if he takes Raul out of the equation and kills him or something like that, she will still never want the Phantom in that way. Because it seems like she looks upon him, like, in pity. Like, I feel sorry for you because you're down here and you choose to be down here with all your bad thoughts and your darkness and your your mask and your threats to everyone above. It's just... It seems like now he's saying you will curse the day. Who is he referring to? Is he saying this to Christine? Is he singing this to Raoul? Like, I'm going to take your life or something like that. Like, all the Phantom asked of you. It seems like he's talking about Christine. Or, no, maybe he's talking about the letter he wrote to Raoul. Like, stay away from her. Okay, so now we're jumping back to 1919 from 1870 to the black and white. What is going on? Because I just, I don't understand. Who is this person? Is it Raul? And was that Christine? I still think they are. I honestly still think they are. Maybe too much time has passed to the point where they don't even recognize each other. I don't know. So, yeah, he sees a young couple go into something that says, Swarovski or something and now we see the black and white version of young Christine and Raul making out like okay so this has got to be Raul then if that's if we're flashing back from that to uh, this quick little scene here like maybe he made a choice I don't know or and again you know I, it's going based on my hunch what if he kills Raul in a fight, like he and the Phantom, they get in a fight. He kills the Phantom, and Christine says, no, I love the Phantom. I, I don't like you anymore, Raul. How could you have killed this poor man who's been tortured his whole life or whatever? I just think that that could happen, too. I don't know, but that's my guess. All right, so it looks like we see some fireworks, because we close up on some jewelry, and then we go back to 1870 with fireworks i don't know if it's the fourth of july if it's christmas if it's new year's one of the days that they're throwing on shooting off some fireworks and so it looks like they're celebrating new year's like hey they're having a party and they're dressed up and yeah they had a successful year of performances All right so we find out that raul has proposed to christine they are now engaged she's got a ring or on a chain around her neck he's like why do we have to hide this and she, i think it's because she are you telling me the fandom doesn't know you're engaged i mean come on have they not made it public now i don't maybe they haven't and she's just worried about what the fandom's gonna do Okay, the Phantom just showed up at the Masquerade Ball. Well, uh, <laughs> has he found out about the engagement? Is that why he showed up? The only mini driver's still alive. She hasn't died, so, okay. Oh, shit, he actually showing up in person, you know, with the mask and everything like that. And I'm guessing that he's been kind of hiding, not really doing any disturbing the performances and stuff or like oh good he's kind of like tampered down for a bit he's been on the dl now he's like oh you think have you missed me have you thought i was gone forever i'm not <laughs> okay so <laughs> yeah the phantom's got a sword and looks like he's gonna because 
Christine and Raul are, or Raul are there, and then all of a sudden he leaves her, so I'm guessing he's going to get a sword, so that way they can, what, fight to the death? He's gonna kill uh, Minnie Driver's character. He's like, oh, she must be taught how to act, because she sucks. We all know that. She's terrible. Going around with that sword, and he's just picking people to criticize. You know, Minnie Driver, the heavyset man next to her, saying, yeah, you gotta get lost. Uh, the managers must, well, the managers must learn their place in an office. Not the arts, like, you're in the wrong business, get out. So now he set his sights on Christine, like, is he going to critique her now that she's engaged? Because I'm sure he notices that ring around, on that chain around her neck. So he says, yeah, she has much to learn if she'd allow her teacher to still teach her. So... So no one else knew she was being taught by the Phantom, because she said she didn't know who... She was being taught basically by a voice all those years. And is she back under his spell again? Like she's in a trance? <laughs> oh my gosh! No! That mask! Remember how I said that mask originally took part of his, you know, 95% of his face? Or no, not, I mean 95% of his face was exposed. No, now it's like he made a new mask. It looks more skeleton-y. And it's... Like, covering up, like, 97% of his face, where only his mouth and chin are exposed now. That's what Raul, Raul had to do. He had to go get a sword. Uh-huh, because he's adjusting his butt as he sees Christine with the Phantom. Yeah, he found the engagement ring, ripped the chain off her neck, and says, Your chains are still mine. You still belong to me. <laughs> so, yeah, he... Disappears in a puff of smoke. Raul jumps down into the hole that the Phantom just went through. And it's like he's surrounded by a bunch of mirrors. It's like in a fun house. So apparently um, Meg's mom, uh, Geary, something, Mrs. Geary or whatever her name is, Madame Geary, I don't know, uh, pulls him out of there and she's about ready to just say, you gotta go. He's like, no, look, there a lot of things have been happening. You've got to be straight with me. What is going on? Okay, so we get a story here from Meg's mom, Miss Geary, talking about how there was a traveling fair when she was young. She was studying to be a ballerina. So this thing, probably fandom thing, goes all the way back to when she was a kid, maybe? I don't know. Okay, so it looks like a traveling circus sideshow act with this devil's child, poor kid who's got like a sackcloth over his face and little cut out eye holes and this guy's like beating on him and stuff and kid people are just laughing at him and I'm guessing this is Miss Geary as a child so am I to believe that this is the phantom as a child like he started out with a sideshow act like maybe the burn on his face or something that happened with his face was maybe from when he was a child or it could be maybe a birthmark or something like that I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm just, this is me. Just, but he ends up killing the, I don't know whether this is his, his handler or whatever. He ends up strangling the guy with a rope. Good on him. And Miss Geary is a child and the devil child boy, they take off running. So I think maybe this could be the Phantom. This was his, his story. This is how he came to be as a child and yeah. Okay, so she hid him in the opera house as a child. Okay, so, oh, gotcha. 
So, Miss Gary is saying, like, he is a man of many talents. This was his playground. This is, he grew up here. He doesn't know anything of the outside world. You know, he's a composer, a magician, an architect, a designer. He's all of these things. And Raul says, well, because she's saying he's a genius. And Raul says, well, genius, apparently genius has turned to madness. So we keep cutting back up. We keep cutting to the future, the bat, black and white, footy foot, you know, the old Tom Skerritt man in the vehicle just driving and he sees like this big, like, buck deer just running and I'm just trying to understand how is it, who is this? Is that Raul? I don't know. Because then we see Madame Geary, like, putting her hair up for the night and then we see Christine in, in bed and I'm just like, come on now. So, I mean, we learned the Phantom's origins. He basically runs this opera house. He gives the demands. At one point, he fell in love with Christine's voice and decided, to, you know, she would be his muse and he would be her teacher and all that stuff. So, was that the Phantom that was taking um, Christine to the cemetery to her father's grave? I don't know, but Raul's going after her. So now we're in the cemetery, and Christine is singing, you know, talking to her father, just how she wishes that he were here, how she wishes she could talk to him, and how, you know, he was not only her father, but her friend, and then one day her world was shattered when he passed away, and how she really, you know, you said you'd send, you know, the angel of music down to protect me, and it's just things aren't that great right now and I could really use some advice from you. I just wish you were here. That's pretty much what I'm getting the sum up of this song. So mind you, I forgot to say that um, when she is in the cemetery singing, it is dark. It's snow is falling down. It's yeah, and then it's like her dad has like a I don't know, is it the term like mausoleum where it's like it's not like a coffin in the ground. It's like a space that you can enter. It's got steps to it, and her dad's name, D-A-A-E, is, you know, um, carved at the top, and she's just talking about, you know, wanting to say goodbye and everything like that, and, you know, putting her past behind her, and then all of a sudden, she's on the steps singing, and the voice comes, and of course, it's the phantom, and she's asking, are you friend, or are you the phantom, or just... And then all of a sudden we see at the gates of going into this mausoleum, if that's what that is, mausoleum, then they light up. And I'm guessing the phantom's going to come through there. Again, it's almost like he's putting her in a trance and here comes Raul and his white horse. Like, no, Christine, don't go in there. Don't, don't do that. He goes up to the mausoleum he's like, whatever you believe, Christine, this man, this thing, whatever this is not your father. Like, you've been tricked this whole time. And now we get the duel between the Phantom and Raul. So it looks like the Phantom actually got Raul in the arm, but Raul has the upper hand, and he goes, he's got the Phantom down on the ground, he's getting ready to kill him, and Christine's like, no, Raul, not like this. It's like, yeah, now Raul's gonna be stabbed because now you distracted him. So Raul and Christine ride away on the white horse, and the Phantom is now back to that, oh, maybe because that one was a masquerade, um, but now he's back to the half-mask that he had when Christine first saw him. After they leave, now the Phantom is saying, now let it be war upon you both. Oh, give me a break. Ugh. The movie, honestly, like I said, it's it's good. It's not 
my favorite. The music is pretty decent. I like that. But it's just like a... This movie is really drawn out. You really... You didn't need to have to be two and a half hours long to do this. Basically, they are going to use Christine. We're going to play right into his hands. We're going to have Christine perform. He'll, of course, make an appearance. And they're also... The owners are saying, we'll bar the doors. We'll get the police. The police will be armed. We will finally catch this guy once and for all. Outside, you're seeing the police gather with their bayonets or guns or whatever they are. It just sounds like they're using Christine as bait to lure the phantom, which is, that's pretty much what they're doing. And Christine is crying like, Raul, please don't make me do this. She warns him, like, don't put me through this. Don't put me out there. You know he'll take me and then we'll be parted forever. We'll never see each other, each other again. So it seems like Raul is using her words against her, like, well, you said it yourself, he's just a man, but if he continues to live, he's going to haunt us both forever. Like that, And even she says, you know, this will never end. It'll just, it'll just keep going on. So yeah, he's basically saying, like, don't think I don't care about you, that I'm putting you through this, and but if you don't do this, then we're never going to be free. This isn't going to end. He's, yeah, he's definitely putting her, he's putting a lot of pressure on her, and it's just, it's, it's sad. It's just sad all the way around, you know, the phantom and his childhood and everything, and then all of it. This, this movie is it, very depressing, honestly. Because she, at point, one point, sings about how I owe my voice to him and everything. Alright, so yeah, we're in the Phantom's Lair, he's getting ready, uh, he's got a black mask on over his, or, you know, original mask, the other half of his face, and we see the diorama of the set that he's done, and he's even lighting flame to it, and it's like, okay, so this is the big thing, this is how it's all gonna go down, and apparently the play is Don Juan, is that right? So the play's going on, they get everybody, Mini Driver's singing, the cast is off the stage, now it's just Christine, and we do have the Phantom, he doesn't have his, he has the black, it almost looks like a Zorro mask, but his white mask that covers half of his face is just not there, so. I mean, you see Raul in that little window seat thing on the wall, and then you also see a policeman, it's like, it's almost like he's there on stage, right? What are we waiting for? Just get him. I mean, doesn't he know that this is a setup? That she's pretty much like a sitting duck just waiting? You know, she's basically the decoy for him to come and then... Uh. It looks like Raul is nodding to the policeman who's standing next to him and then you see the two stage managers, that the two owners are also nodding to him, like, what are you waiting for? Get him. He's right there. You know, the Phantom is on stage. Okay, what's going on here? We got Raul looking like he's being betrayed by Christine in a way because is she under that trance again that the Phantom put her under the first time? Because he, it's almost like his eyes are showing up like, oh, this is just a ploy. She really wants to be with the Phantom and, and not with me or something. That's what I'm getting. Because she's dancing with the Phantom. I thought this just was supposed to be an act. And now it's like, who the hell knows? 
okay, what in the heck? This doesn't make any sense. His hair was dark. He's wearing that Zorro mask. And then she goes and takes it off. And now his hair is like elderly white, snow white hair. And it's just, his injury looks a lot more worse than it originally was. You got everyone, everyone's watching this on stage or wherever the heck they're supposed to be. And everyone's all like, ah, the horror, ah. He's just figure out all of it Like, come on. Okay, so here's where the fire happens. The chandelier drops. Things start bursting into flames. And he, the Phantom, takes Christine to his lair, which, of course, he was going to do that. My guess, you all waited too long to take him down. That's your problem. You waited too damn long. And speaking of long, this movie does not, I'm sorry, this movie does not have to be this long. It really doesn't. Oh yeah, we got Madame Gary and Raoul following the Phantom, and and then we got Raoul taking, or not Raoul, the Phantom taking Christine down to his lair, and he's talking about his face and how it's disfigured, that's why I'm down here, and I was a sideshow act, and everyone hated me, and blah blah. Uh, just, just, just. You can really tell my voice, like, I'm kind of like, let's, let's wrap the movie up at this point, please. It's just, uh, I mean, it's good, but to me, it's just, it's not great. So, Madame Gary says, this is as far as I go, keep your hand above your eyes. And now, Raoul falls through some hole and lands in the water. Oh, is he, oh, it looks like he's going to drain that water. Okay, gotcha. Okay, is this being played by a different actor? Who is this guy? Gerard But I mean, this guy... I don't understand. It's like, you saw like one half of his face was hidden behind a white half mask, and then the other face was smooth. Now you take out the entire thing, and it's just like... His whole face is all... Like... I don't know. It's like, this looks like it's a different actor. His hair is all must. I mean, it was like dark brown. Now it's like a blondie brown hair. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, he's talking about his mask, his first piece of clothing or something. And now he's putting that veil on Christine's head from the, oh my god. <laughs> that, uh, um, mannequin whatever thing that was originally looking like Christine, uh, that had a wedding dress on is just, bleh. It's almost like he's saying, you're going to be married to me, turn around and face your fate, you're gonna be with this face forever. <sighs> so the ring that Raoul gave her is an engagement ring, and the phantom took, he's now placing that in her hand. She takes off the veil, and she pulls the drape down from the mirror and just says, that it's not your face which is distorted, it's your soul, your true distortion lies in your heart and in your soul. Like, I thought there was something good there, but clearly, I was clearly wrong. I thought it just, you're upset about your face when it seems like your true intentions are just pure malevolent evil. Because it seems like his true motive is just temptations of the, the flesh. And just him physically being into her physical beauty and not so much like what's inside of her and it's just like come the hell on with this shit 
So Raul makes his presence known. Of course, the fandom's like, oh, we were expecting, I was expecting that you would eventually come down here. And Raul's just pleading, like, I love her, let her go, free her, show some compassion. And of course, he's like, well, the world show no compassion to me. And I'm like, hey, look, it sucks what happened to you. I'm not a part of that. That was not, <laughs> why are you blaming me for something I had no control over? Basically, he pretty much just hates the world. The Phantom hates the world and everyone in it is what I'm getting from him. So, basically, he lets him in to his sewer lair and he puts a rope around Raul's neck like he's gonna, like, choke him out and kill him. And it's almost like the Phantom is now offering Christine a choice, like, who are you gonna choose, him or I? Okay, so basically what she's saying with this song of, like, um... You know, I was crying over you, I felt sad for you, but no more. I just clearly hate you now for what you're doing. Now he's basically gonna string up Raul and, like, hang him. Oh my god! Oh wow, he's giving her an ultimatum of a no-win-win situation at all. It's a lose-lose situation, as in, you can choose that he's gonna die, send him to his grave, or you can spend your days with me. Either or. <laughs> Neither is a few, no. What's, what's the deal here? So, she's kissing the fan. Oh, is that a distraction, hopefully? Like, she's kissing him, and while, like, while she's doing that, like, Raul can get away or something. Hopefully. <laughs> but apparently, he is all like, oh, she loves me. She really loves me. And my guess is Raul is freed, and he's going to come up behind the phantom, having his emotional breakdown, and kill him, is my guess. You hear the chorus of the mob or whatever they are saying, take down this murderer. Now the phantom is like, oh, take her, take her away from this madness. And he, he walks away. Basically, he, he gives her up his obsession of her. Like, he realizes, like, no, let's just, no. It's like, forget me, forget all you've seen, leave me alone. And so is the top of the <laughs> the theater still burning down around the surface. She helps Raul, Raul free himself, and the Phantom knows that death is coming for him. Clearly. Oh, the the symbol monkey music box thing. Oh, okay. He's listening to that before he dies, before the mob takes him. Oh, she gives him the ring. She gives the Phantom the ring, the ring that Raul gave to her. Okay. Was that like, here, take this, remember me? So yeah, Raul and Christine get away. Uh, the Phantom, I guess they don't find him. Meg actually is down there with the mob, policeman. She finds the mask, but no Phantom. And the, okay, um, and we close in, uh, 17, uh, 1870 on the symbol playing monkey music box and now we're going back to the future 1919 in black and white can we please find out who these two people are this is driving me nuts i want closure for this two and a half hour movie they're in a cemetery um is it the phantoms like a uh, headstone and he puts it down there, maybe? I don't know. Okay, so we see Countess de Chani, um, Christine, 1854 to 18, or 1854 to 
17. So let's see how old she was when she passed. Uh, get my old handy calculator out of here. Out here. Let's see. Nine. Whoops. Hold on. 1917 minus 1854. So she was 63. Gosh, that seemed young. Now that really does seem young. So 1870 minus 1854, which is 16. So she was 16. And the uh, color, you know, the movie. She says, beloved wife and mother. <clears throat> Apparently she died two years prior. Okay, so if she died two years prior, then who is that? Is that Lady Geary or whatever her name is? Meg's mom? Was that her? Or was that... Maybe that was Meg. That could have been Meg, but... Oh, because she saw the monkey symbol thing too when she was down there at the end of the movie okay we do see a rose that does have that ring that christine had given to the phantom at the end um before she and raul got out of the uh dang dungeon dungeon area um so clearly then the phantom must still be here somewhere going living doing his thing and then all of a sudden the flower becomes color and then you see the sparkliness of the ring and I'm guessing that's how the movie ends. We just made the black and it's like directed by Joel Schumacher. I'm like, okay, so my assumptions of thinking that was Christine, that old Downton Dowager Countess Maggie Smith was Christine, but no, I guess that was, that had to have been either Meg Christine's friend or Meg's mother, one of them. I'm guessing it was Meg. I I think it was Meg because she's right around the same age as um, 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 um Raul. And okay, so yeah, and then the Phantom is eventually apparently he's close to their age or maybe a little I don't know. And he's still moving around, living his life in the shadow. I don't know if he is. We didn't. Who knows? Who knows? So, yeah, that's the movie. Um, <laughs> overall, I, I thought it was okay. Like I said, it just really bordered on being a bit long for me. I mean, I know Les Mis was also a long movie, too. But it just seemed like the world just kind of... The story just stopped for all these songs. Even though the songs did talk about the character's feelings and kind of somewhat progress the story along a little bit as far as the dialogue, but <clears throat> well, some of the stuff I'll just fast forward and like, okay, we get it, this is what's going on, this is what the character is feeling, can we kind of push this along a little more? So, yeah, overall, the movie was good. It wasn't great in my eyes, but it wasn't horrible either. So, alright, well... Nicole, I hope you have a happy birthday next month in May. And I hope you enjoyed this review. So, yeah. Alright, everyone. I hope everyone also enjoyed this review. So, I definitely think I will be putting the album, the soundtrack on, spot, on my Spotify to listen to in the car or walking or whatever. Because there were some good songs in there. I will say that. There are some good songs. So, alright, everyone. Have a great week. Bye-bye.